Hello, how you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Now, regular listeners might be thinking, Greg, you always ask that, how are you? Well, this morning, not great, to be honest. About 48 hours before I'm recording this, I had a cold, and the cold didn't just sort of, you know, normally, comes out your nose. Sorry if you're having your breakfast, but you know what I'm talking about. It just went on my throat. Now, it wasn't sore, but currently I'm recording this from Sheffield, Sorry, I have to keep swallowing. Um, it was so gravelly and croaky, I could barely get words out when I'm filming. And I had the lion's share of, of lines today. And it was a real struggle. Basically, I woke up sounding like the continuity announcer on Radio 4. You know, the great one is brilliant. Um, but I could do a very passable impression of him. So it was a really hard day today. And now it's... it's what time is it? Let me have a look. It's 20 past 10 on Wednesday night, so I'm recording this at the 11th hour. I'm tired, and uh, I'm in Sheffield, as I said, uh, in a terrible hotel. All I wanted to do was come back and uh, run a nice hot bath, so I uh, popped the plug in, turned the tap on, waited for the water to rise so I could sink myself in and relax. Stone cold. Stone cold water, not a drop of hot water, neither here or in the bathroom, nothing. So, uh, well, at least it's cold and I can brush my teeth. You can hear my voice is going right now. So, look, I'm going to cheap, cheap. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. You can tell I'm tired. Um, even me saying I'm going to keep this short and I'm still talking, I can't stop. Even when I shouldn't really be talking, I should be shutting myself up, but I can't because I've got to do this and I've got to work. And uh, and that's what pays the bills. But look, this is episode 111. I'm so sorry, my voice is so croaky. Um, and it's with the brilliant Suze Kempner. Now, I first came across Suze on Twitter. And the first time I read anything that she wrote, it was a thread about... And she's brilliant at a thread. She's so funny. Um, how she went to get a job as a Cristina Aguilera impersonator in Spain, I think it was. And it was very, very funny. And I thought, well, it'd be great to get her on and discover more about her and see what she's all about. And this is the episode where we do that. So look, I'm going to shut up and let you get on with this. Um, if you love the podcast if this is your first two shot podcast then there's 110 other episodes that you can go and dive into whenever you want whoever you want it's uh, we're really proud of all of them so uh, go and discover some new people uh but before you do that let's dive into this this is episode 111 of the two shot podcast with the quite Brilliant, funny, and very candid. Suze Kempner, enjoy. I shall see you 
at the end if I've got a voice. Do you know why? Do you know when, actually? And this, I'm starting off by giving compliments. Okay. How, are you, how are you with compliments? I, I, um, I'll take them and like think about them later and be happy about them. Do you? But when I'm receiving them, I go, oh, do okay. no, these jeans were two pounds. We'll see how we go with this. <laughs> yeah. When you became one of my favourite people on Twitter. <laughs> oh, was... no, but my trainers are awful. <laughs> it was with the Christina Aguilera thread. Okay. Which I'm sure you remember. My, my Twitter breakthrough. <laughs> was, do you think that was your Twitter breakthrough? It definitely you... was. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'd really put the hours in for 10 years on Twitter and got to about 5,000 followers. Mm. And then I think it took two days to get to 24,000. And, yeah, and that was that, the one that broke it all? That, yeah, that, literally. Yeah. I, to, oh, look. And as if by oh, magic. Oh, my tea is here. The Thank you. Here. Oh, just here, That's please. Here. Thank you very much. Cheers. This place is posh. I've got a tea strainer. There you go. Who do I think I am? Well, I'll let it steep. We're going to find it. We're going to find out exactly who are so <laughs> right now. Oh my goodness! Okay. Do you think we can talk about how you came? Well, I'm wondering if we can talk about the Christine Aguilera thread and if it is going to work vocally. I don't know. You can. I mean, I've talked about it on stage before, so let's talk yeah. about it now because okay. some people will be listening. Yeah, and they won't know anything because some people aren't on social media. You know, nope. we can't really assume that I everybody don't know how knows they these do stories. It, but yeah, some people are not on social media. Well, that's people would say that about yourself. They go, I don't know. Right. I don't know how you do it to stay True. on there. Yeah, they do. They go, oh, how can you stand it? And I get annoyed. If I leave the house without my phone, if I forget it, I go, oh, God. Do you feel it's it ever turns into, Do you feel it ever turns into a problem? Uh, I don't think it's a problem because I know I can always go home. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't see it like a, a drug addiction, as, you, of, of which I've never had. <laughs> we'll get onto that later, don't worry. But do you, do you see it as an addiction or some sort of crutch, or do you see it as a, a, a business tool? I, it is a business tool, definitely. And, but I am worried about missing out on something on social media, like not replying in time to something that could have been important. <laughs> What one would say that could be an that addictive problem, personality too. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I definitely, I definitely, it. definitely have an addictive personality. Oh, you yeah. do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, at least that's... be honest about it. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what other things? What other things do you find that you can't do without or you crave? It's um, if I get interested in something, I have to. I essentially have to eat that thing. <laughs> <laughs> until I've had all of it like uh, and that sort of that goes way back to when I was a teenager and I we first got shown a Scorsese film in a media studies A-level class what did they show you Taxi Driver they showed you that yeah I was 15 so I really got it <laughs> <laughs> you drug that in yeah I was like oh. I could tell it, I could tell it was brilliant you know you can like you can I can tell I can tell this is brilliant mm. and I want to see everything that everyone involved in this has ever done so like over a weekend, I think I saw eight Scorsese films. But I was like, I need, I need to watch, I need to watch all of them. I need to see all of them, and like there was a time limit on it. So, yeah. yeah, but that, that is, I, but I've known from an early age, I, I can never take up smoking. I can never do drugs because I would, I know that I would go from. From I'm one just to smoking 100. a cigarette. What's the problem? To yeah, I'd be on yeah, two. I'm on forty a day. a day. What's your problem? Yeah. yeah, I don't see why that's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you yourself by registering that you wouldn't do those things. Yeah, that's quite healthy. I guess so. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I knew at 17. No, I can't try a cigarette, actually. <laughs> so let's talk so, about Christina Aguilera. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I need people to know what I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so we should need to start at the beginning, really, don't okay. we? Okay. So I did a script writing degree mm. when I was 18. And during that degree, I really, all I wanted to do was leave the degree and go and be an actor. Like I went, writing's fine, but I want to act. I'm only going to be writing stuff for myself to be in. But I wasn't allowed to go to drama school because we weren't from a family that had money and there wasn't any support from my parents at that end. Like, like you're not going to be an actor, that's crazy. Um, when you say you weren't allowed, did you feel yeah. you weren't allowed because of society saying this isn't for you or, or oh, your parents or by, a bit of everything? Well, basically by my dad. Who okay. is an actor. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's an actor. But um, his worst nightmare would have been his children going into it. So Because he knows the perils and pitfalls of it? or More that he's very worried that it will work out for us where it hadn't for him. It was more that. Oh, yeah. that's a... We'll, oh, we'll get yeah, into yeah, that yeah. later. <laughs> Carry on with the story there's a whole, first. There's a, there's a whole lot there. But it was... You're, no, you're not... You're not going to be an actor. So I went, well, I'll do script writing then. So I went and did that. And I was on this degree just wanting to be a performer. And yeah. so I left the degree. I did the whole thing because I've got an addictive personality. So I had to have all of it. I have to eat all of this degree. So I finished the degree. And then I went, right, what can I do that's performance-based? And it took about six or seven months to get this job off a terrible website where they were looking for tribute acts to perform in the Med uh, in Cyprus. Here's the amount of money you'll get each month. Uh, all your accommodation and flights are taken care of. And I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. Well, it sounds positive so exactly, far. Exactly, yes. We've got sun, we've got a roof over Beautiful your head. Beautiful weather. We've got a wage. Yeah, absolutely. Two grand a month. Would you be working all the time? No. Five nights a week. Five nights a week. Yeah, easy. So right. I am... Um, so it's all looking positive all good at this so point, far. isn't it? And I do, I do um, a serviceable Shirley Bassey impression, Cer- certainly good enough for <laughs> people of Ayanapa. Yeah. I went to the audition and I did this. I did. I sang Diamonds Are Forever. Right. And they went, great. Um, could you do Christina Aguilera? Because we don't need a Shirley Bassey. We've got a drag queen who does that already. And also we're in Ayanapa, so yeah, there's a certain true. clientele. It's only fun if it's a man singing it. So <laughs> so I went, yeah, yeah, no, totally, I can do Christina Aguilera. And I absolutely couldn't. Like, there was absolutely no way. So then I had a month to teach myself to sing like well, her. Confidence goes a long way. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to learn 30 Christina Aguilera songs in a month. Did and yeah. learn to sing like her, yeah. Did you have to go back and audition or did they just take you on No, they just said, no, it's fine, do it. Because, like, if you really squint, I had bleached, really bleached blonde hair at the time, uh, and if you really squinted, it was like, yeah, no, possibly she could pass for Christina Aguilera for the, for, for the kind of audience that will be going to see these gigs. And also, if the audience are completely drunk, then... Yeah, exactly, gonna, and they were, spoiler And they're going to go with it, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are. And then I flew out there and I was met at the airport by um, the two bosses of this company uh, who were holding up a picture of Christina Aguilera. <laughs> and I went over to, I went, well, must, must be. But, and I, they're lucky I went over because it was a picture of Anastasia. <laughs> not Christina. <laughs> the the, um, the uh, all, out, all Out of Love singer, not the Russian uh, 
missing princess. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I went over and they took me to this um, pretty horrible apartment. I had to put my costume on and they took lots of photos of me. And this is an audio format, but there are pictures there on are, the internet of there, me. There are pictures on the internet. With very sad eyes. I like, urge you to I go done? and seek <laughs> the, the, this, these photos out. A little bit. I always say it looks like they were taken in a Romanian prison. That's what it looks like in, in my costume. Oh, pretty it? much, yeah. Mm. I mean, were the alarm bells ringing for you at this point? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> from the moment I from the moment, from the moment that I got up off the Anastasia. airport. Yeah, yeah, and the other people in the flat were just all sort of sitting around. Other tribute acts all sort of sitting around smoking, going, "Yeah, we don't really know what's going on." And I wasn't smoking, obviously. No, we, we've got <laughs> we've that. Had that. We, we have that. We're not doing that. <laughs> but this sounds like hell. Yeah, already. it was. A, it was. Um, luckily, we were all in it together. There was a real sort of uh, blitz spirit with the other tribute acts but um were you getting was, on did you get on with the rest yeah of them? most of them yeah. yeah 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 and we all sort of um shared the horror together but yeah it was quite it was quite um I think uh, I think back on it and go oh, why didn't I leave but I know why I didn't leave I didn't leave because my dad couldn't find out that it had gone badly <laughs> <laughs> so I just like they took my passport off me on day one and they were like we, we'll just take keep keep hold of this Did they? and I went oh, that'll just have to be fine because if it isn't fine I take my passport back and I fly home now and they're obviously not going to let me hang on to it so, so yeah it really was a prison you really <laughs> were trapped there and how long was your contract there was, just the, was it like the summer the contract was six months um, six months yeah and I signed it and someone out there who May, may or may not have been right, said, well, my boyfriend's the lawyer and he's looked at the contract and he says it's not worth the paper it's printed on. So I always had that in the back of my head, like, oh, maybe the contract. I'm not a lawyer. Yeah, her boyfriend was a lawyer. <laughs> but and pretty he... much I could tell you that even just from <laughs> yeah. reading your thread and this story now. <laughs> this doesn't sound legit at all. We keep your passport. <laughs> no. We're yeah. not scared in any way. Yeah. But I was more scared that my dad would be like, there you go, see? Told you. Told you. I told you you'd never be a performer. Like, I'm just trying to be a tribute act. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing, like, the worst job you could possibly do in this industry that is still a job in this industry. <laughs> but, yeah, and I, I didn't want it to be like, oh, you couldn't even do that. So in, the, in so. either, well, I was, I'm going to say in the back of your mind, but obviously in the forefront of your mind was yeah. your dad. yeah. Always, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we need to go back. Need to the Christina Aguilera, uh, the Christina Aguilera thread is funnier than I've made it sound. It's so far. It's it? very funny. <laughs> I mean, horrifying and tragic, but also yeah. very funny. But luckily, you got out alive. Yeah, I and, do. I'm alive, and nothing too bad happened. No, but there are a lot of funny stories in that thread and I urge you to seek <laughs> that out and uh, the corroborating photos that go with it. I mean, yes. my God. Yeah, many photos. There's a cat that looked like Gary Barlow who's there always is. hanging about our flat. That, that's all, that, you know, that's all light and fun. <laughs> Some people say producer Griff sounds like Gary Barlow, but we don't talk about that anymore. He gets quite upset about it. Oh, it used to. There was a time, there was a short window, wasn't there, where Gary Barlow was like quite cool in a kitsch way. Mm. And then he sort of went, 
but I made all this money and I'd like to keep all of it. And then everyone went, oh, I think he might be a prick. Oh, <laughs> since when? Are you, oh, no. See, I knew I was right. He was a twat. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not saying that. That's a quote. I'm not saying Gary Barlow's a twat. Let's yeah, no, no, put no. put that to bed that right is, now. That was, like, uh, that's for other people to say if they choose. If they it's choose. that kind of country. Yeah. Suze, so I think mm. saying that now and talking about your dad. Yeah. I think we need to go right you want to de- back. You're in a delve. Well, I want to go right back to growing up. And okay. where was that? Where were you growing up? Near Gatwick. Right. Yeah, little village near Gatwick in... Um, I'm, I'm lower middle class in a very bog-standard house. But growing up, uh, I thought... Right, so my mum is a dressage rider. That's her job. Um but that is a job for the rich. A dress, a good dressage horse is sort of a hundred thousand pounds. We did not have access to that. We had a Renault nineteen, and right. uh, my mom rides for other people, so she's an anomaly. She's that good at it that yeah. other people will pay her to ride their horses that they've spent a load of money on and overface themselves. So she's like a Formula One driver. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't own the car, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's been like a national champion. She competed nationally. Um, but growing up, all our friends were her horse people. Right. Who were, who were incredibly rich. And I thought, well, we're like them. We, we're obviously, there's no difference. It wasn't that I understood at sort of six or seven what wealth is, but I went, well, we're, these are our friends, so we're like them. Even though they had, you know, these stately homes and they never seemed to come around our house. <laughs> And if they did, they were always smoking. There you go. Um, <laughs> all comes back to smoking again. It all comes back again. to cigarettes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was that was um, that was my upbringing in a small in a in a small semi. Um, and my you? dad, do you have a, me, and my younger brother. Uh, what's the age difference there? Between? Two years. Two years. Two years age difference. Yeah, yeah. But I look younger, so. <laughs> Always. <laughs> playing age. playing age. His playing age is basically his age, whereas my playing age is like a little bit younger. Um, <laughs> he's not an actor as well, is yeah. he? Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your dad. He's feeling he already. Delighted. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, my dad wanted to be an actor and he had a job uh, like doing maintenance at Gatwick Airport. Right. He took redundancy when I was seven to go and be an actor. And I remember we had. That's when I first learned we have, oh, we have no money. I remember we were really, we, we need, I think we nearly lost the house at one point. Um, it was very, I don't want to say breadline because that sort of gives it this idea of like a Jimmy McGovern drama, but because it wasn't like that. It was really mundane. But I can remember one day my brother came home and said he wanted to do a football course that was 20 quid. And my mum had to tell him we can't afford it. And I remember, oh, we can't afford 20 pounds. And I said, oh, we don't have a lot of money. Um, And that went on for several years. And also at that age, you think, I mean, you know, my son's making Mm. noise over there (laughs) on his chair and he's eight years old. And I remember he saved up some money and he had 25, 27 pounds. And that was the pot of gold for him. That was a lot of money. You can get a lot for 20 quid if you go down the newsagent and get... Sonic the Comic and some sweets. That only comes to about three pounds. Well, you'll so know. You've got loads which left. We'll get on we'll to get Sonic on to later, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> the fascination with video games is. <laughs> Christian Aguilera. We talk about healthy and unhealthy. I'm not sure this is. None of it is. None of it is. Also, yeah, I'm on the end of a cold as well. So um, 
I've, I feel like I've, I feel like I've got the, that quite cool. Like, yeah, man, I really, well, you don't really look lived, Ill. man. You oh, that's I was, really good. I was slightly worried about you coming instead because yeah. I was, I was reading Saw some stuff and I thought, oh, she's no. not going to be well. She's it's not going to be able to come. It. No, well, you look, you look great, so don't worry <laughs> Thank about you. that. I'm on three different medications, so. Yeah. yeah. Let's not talk about taking drugs <laughs> and three different ones. The maximum three days at a time, and I really, I, I really adhere to it. Uh, so where was I? My dad. You're so talking he decided to your dad. To he decided. So that's quite. Was what age was your dad when he decided? To He'd do have that? been. Oh, I'm good at stuff like this. Let me think. He'd have been 33, 30, 32, younger than I am now. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a a bold move at 32 yeah. to jack mm-hmm. in the job and. Yeah. Well, no, sorry, he took a redundancy, didn't he? He did, yeah. And my, and, but I think, I think my mum has told me since that gave us a few months to play with. She wasn't into it, but he was very much like, I've made, it. my dad was always, this is my decision and this is what's happening. So, um, And it's obviously deep down something that's always absolutely. niggled him and that he'd, what he wanted to do. That's it, yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't bring in a lot of money when you just well no shit I mean it doesn't bring yeah. a lot of money for a long time or no. if at all yeah and and then suddenly it will and then it won't again mm. and people can never understand that can they they'll go so what's coming up but what will you do like, well I don't know it could change tomorrow it could be six months before I hear anything from my agent who knows anyway uh my dad learned that <laughs> yeah I bet and he did he he was getting he was getting work he, I think he got some adverts fairly early on, which is great, obviously, but he spends his money as soon as he has it. And right. Yeah. I, I can remember a long period of us having no money. And it wasn't a big deal to me because I was seven and my parents are going to make sure I got food. My mum certainly is. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and she had a steady stream coming in because she is paid to ride other people's horses and train other people. So well, that, that must have in. had an, uh, an impact on the dynamic of the family. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, One yeah. person's sort of going, right, well, I've always wanted to do this, mm-hmm. and now's the time, now's the call, and I'm going to do that. Yeah, but it had all, I don't know, I don't remember it being a huge change other than he was around more because it was always his way. Like yeah. it's, and like my, up until. I mean, my, as a spoiler alert, my mum eventually left him when I was 25. And she, that was the first time it wasn't, I wasn't being told to stay out of, stay out of his way. Oh, don't, don't go and mention this to your dad. And I, suddenly I got to 25 and I went, huh, I don't have to be told not to say, not to, not to act a certain way around yeah. my dad anymore. But that was, that was, that was the whole of my childhood. And growing up, so to sort yeah. of what treat him with kid gloves or not sort of yeah, say absolutely, things yeah, yeah, yeah. Eggshells. For fear of of upset or yeah, he like the um, the level of anger. I don't know if I've seen it from anyone else, even like on in a film or on TV. It's it, yeah, it's a it's a crazy one. Where did you think <laughs> that came from? What his frustration or I think so. Yeah, and it did definitely got worse as he got older because he didn't become a movie star. But he's and worked consistently as an actor, like. But he'd yeah. never got to where he felt he should be, or he. Wanted I guess to be. I wouldn't want to speak for him no, of on not. that. But, but I'm saying how that affected probably. Yeah. What, I can't even. He ask definitely, about you he or definitely your mom, got but. angrier about how the career was going 
and how his life was going as he got older. But I think we become more ourselves, don't we, as we get older? So. Well, of course, because we, you know, the older we are, the more we grow into ourselves and we know. Yeah. What I suppose we know who we are and what we want. Yeah. And what we, what we kind of want to achieve and what's mm. realistic, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we get to a point where, yeah, I think this is realistic or we, I always I say about knowing your limitations mm, mm-hmm. as, a, as an actor or an artist Definitely. or whatever. Yeah. Know what would, know what you would be happy with in well, your career. Well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. And I know it changes all the time because at one point I went, well, if I can just go full time singing and doing comedy and, and doing acting auditions and being, and, you know, getting acting jobs here and there and doing a bit of writing, oh, I'll have cracked it. And I've been doing that full time for two years. And, yeah. I, and I am going, okay, well, things will really get moving at some point. <laughs> but, you know, it's a slow train. It is, yeah. And I'm, I feel like I'm still young enough that it's not a... Lost cause. Like playing age 26. But so. <laughs> well, you'll be fine then, won't you, obviously. But yeah. when, you know, when your mum said that, mm. um, at that, what age did she leave when she, she was 20? You were 25. I was 25. My mum was 54. Did you feel yeah. a sense of release or, or yeah. relief then that you didn't have to walk on eggshells yeah. around your dad? Completely, yeah. Did it I change went. the relationship between you and your dad or was yeah, that? Yeah, I never saw him again. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, never saw or spoke to him again after that, yeah. Was that, forgive me for going too yeah. personal. No, no, it's fine, it's fine. Was this a decision from yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that I would, but I. But as soon as she left, which was sort of New Year, New Year 2011, I went, oh, great, I don't have to, because I would see him via her, and if she wasn't there, I wouldn't have to see him but I thought well I'll you know I will leave it until he's calmed down obviously and then maybe I'll speak to him again but yeah we never I never saw him again I haven't spoken to him since about two weeks after that so yeah that's coming up on nine years wow yeah and there was no effort made from your dad's side to Uh, reconcile we call it no effort to reconcile certainly um but a lot of contact like at one point I was when, when she first left it was sort of three furious emails a day <laughs> and phone calls that I wouldn't answer but really angry emails that I very quickly stopped answering because there was no point and then it and now it's down to like one or two a year but it yeah it was a it was a it was a long period of getting an awful lot of contact telling me where I'd gone wrong and, right okay but it was always where I'd gone wrong it so, was never about holding his hand up and saying where he's gone wrong. No, he would say that he had. <laughs> but yeah, he would, there would be a lot of, I realise that there have been mistakes made on both sides, but you. And right, then, it, okay. yeah, so, the, and, and now I feel like I, I get a lot from people, what if he came back and he really was so sorry and he'd seen everything? from your point of view, what would you do? And I don't really know how to answer that because then he'd be somebody else, so... But yeah. then again, people do change, as we just discussed when people get yeah. older, but yeah. you're changing as well, you I know? guess. You've... Although I don't know. I feel like I'm the same as a kid. I've just got oh, more dear. resilient. Definitely, yeah. I'm this, But I know myself better. Of course. But I... We, we got... My, my nana for our 
Christmas present this year, took old videos of us uh, from like 89, 90. Me and my brother aged, he would have been two or three and me four or five. And she put them all on um, DVDs so that we could watch them. And I hadn't seen these in over 20 years. Yeah. Um, and it was really weird watching myself as a little kid because, like, oh, I'm, I come up with the same... and there's my there's a lot of there was a lot of clips of like my mum trying to read a book or watch tv and me in the background just going and then mummy the train just flies away and it's magic and my mum's going "Mm, mm -hmm, mm." (laughs) and that's the same (laughs) Susie's riffing again so do you feel at peace now with with the relationship between you and your dad within yourself yes that, that this is just the way it is and I'm happy with that. Yeah, I do. Uh, ha- I don't know if happy is the right word, but yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah. It but only I- it only gets to me now when other people say, I worked with your dad. He's great. And but as if have, I'm wrong. But they yeah. have a completely different relationship with him because he's obviously different with them yeah. and, a, you know. Yeah. Father and daughter relationship or a father and son yeah. relationship. Is That's just, it. Yeah. And I'll, like people, I'll tell them, I'll I say that. Yeah. It's like people commenting on uh, if a relationship or a marriage breaks down and they go, oh, but you two were so... Yeah, but you people don't know what goes I, on uh-uh. behind anybody's closed doors, yeah. do they? So who are they to judge? Yeah, that's I it. I understand why that would... Um, yeah, it's it's difficult because you then feel like the asshole going, oh, no, you don't understand it. I had him my whole life. I try and be really... Like I oh yeah no I get it but honestly you you weren't there and they sort of act like whoa <laughs> crazy bitch alert <laughs> yeah but yeah but then again that's again that's from their perspective yeah yeah and and that whole you only get one dad like, I know I know yeah let's yeah. talk about school yeah. let's talk school. about school. <laughs> Were you and your brother at the same school? Because there's only yeah. a couple of years difference. Yeah, same uh, primary and secondary school and and sixth form. Yeah, three schools in a row, the same. How, <laughs> how did you find it? Uh, all right, I think. Were you, how right, was, what a, was the, your academic life? It was just a state school. But you, were, were you someone that threw themselves into it or oh, were you definitely. quite coasty? Yeah, um, so I missed a year. I, I ended up missing... In year four, I got separated from my classmates for being a pain in the ass. if you can imagine such a thing. No, not, I mean, this <laughs> Me is the first, this is then, the first time we've guys, met. The train flies off the track and it's magic to my classmates. <laughs> so I'd have been probably eight and they moved me to a desk on my own because they said you're not letting other people get their work done. Just too busy distracting. Yeah. yeah. And then, so I was on the desk on my own and... Uh, I don't know how long it was, but they called my mum in for a meeting and she was like, what have you done now? <laughs> and uh, she came home and said, they want to move you up a year. They want you to, when everyone goes into year five, you're going to go into year six. And I didn't, I went, oh. And I thought that's good because everyone thinks I'm weird. So I'll just go into another year and I can reinvent <laughs> myself. And uh, funnily enough, those um, year sixes didn't take kindly to the, this new kid who was a year this yeah who the hell do you think you are but my teacher Mr Keach really didn't want me in there either he he was he was really against it and kept telling me that which I don't think is <laughs> I don't think that's an example of good teaching very supportive of Mr Keach yeah. 
He called my parents in at one point and said, she's not going to last five minutes in secondary school. Like I was going to die as soon as I walked through the front gates. Like, yeah. Jeez, give the kid a chance. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so I was a year younger. I did all my GCSEs and A-levels a year early. Um, Did you pass them all? Yeah. Yeah. Mate. Top of the class in year six. So that you really, are smarter than the average bear, obviously. I was. I really don't think I am now. I think it ran out. Like, I was in no way top of my A-levels or top of my um, uni course or anything. It's not like I went to Oxford University. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe you could have done. But you I obviously didn't want to. Uh, I quite wanted... I quite liked the idea of going to Cambridge. That sounded... I thought, oh, that sounds good. But it wasn't something I tried to do. But was there a plan at school? Did you th- were you thinking years ahead about what you wanted a career in? Or yeah, just... when I was fourteen, I really wanted to present Top Gear. You wanted? <laughs> <laughs> I really, I loved cars. That was another thing. I I used to buy what car magazine, like Alan Partridge. Did you? Yeah, loved cars. I loved. I love. I think I loved the fact there were so many of them. There were probably three hundred different models on the mar- on the UK market and I knew all of them. <laughs> Where the hell did a car fascination come from? I have from? no idea. I don't know because I wasn't really, it wasn't like, oh, I can't wait till I can learn to drive. I wasn't really that fussed on that. But I was really interested in cars and the design of them. <laughs> it's really weird, isn't it? And I'm not remotely interested now. I can't. How long did that fascination last? A couple of years. I was really interested in it but my aim was to present Top Gear and... I think that comes back to me just quashing the fact that I wanted to be an actor. I think it, I think that's literally it. Really? Yeah, and do you it think was just this, a way to perform. Do you think this stems back from your dad not wanting to? Definitely. To act? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember the point where you said to him, oh, I, I, that's what yeah. I wanted to do? It was when I was 14, I said, I want, when I leave school, I want to be an actress. And he went, don't, he went, don't bother, because there'll always be a thousand girls more talented and better looking than you. <laughs> and I was forty, and also uh, like I was a, a lively kid who riffed a lot, but I definitely didn't need bringing down a peg or two in terms of confidence. So, like, I, I don't I, think anybody does. Not need really, that no, no. Them, especially <laughs> from also their dad. like. There's lots of parts for character actors. Yeah, of course there is. <laughs> they yeah. need we. They need us. So yeah, I think it. I think then I went. I remember for several years going. I definitely don't want to be an actor, even though I was putting way more effort into the sick form productions of Guys and Dolls than I was into any of my A-levels. Yeah. So, yeah. It speaks volumes, that really, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And has the singing always been there? Definitely. Yeah, that, that's always, uh, that's a weird one. That's always something I've had total confidence in. Um, Where's that, where did that come from? I stayed behind in assembly one day, uh, from assembly one day, because they said, if, if anyone wants to sing in the Christmas concert, f- sing the solo, stay behind and don't go to assembly. And I went, oh, brilliant, I don't have to go to assembly. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the only kid who didn't consider it a big deal to stand up and sing a verse of Once in a World Davis City in front of however many kids and stay behind. And, so, and I got the solo. God, so the confidence really was there, wasn't it? I, yeah, I, well, I didn't think I, I didn't know I could sing. I hadn't been told I could, but I went, but I figured, like, well, it's fine, it's just singing in front of your class, whatever. So I did it. And yeah, and, and then all the way, like, that was 
instantly I went, oh, this is a thing that I can do. I wasn't any good. I was seven. Let's not. It yeah, wasn't like, hey, oh my God, s- she sounds like Celine Dion. <laughs> yeah, but we all start somewhere. Yeah. I was probably like, all right for a seven-year-old. In but a- did you work on it from there, yeah. knowing that you loved it? I, lo- I sang all constantly, singing, singing and writing, writing fan fiction <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And I really, like, the first thing, I think, like, this is really, this might be a bit wanky, but I feel like when I sing, it's like the best part of myself. So if I can sing in front of somebody, they'll see the best part of myself. What do you feel? I don't think that's weird or wanky (laughs) at all. Because do you feel that there's a sense that you can become really you when you sing and you feel really free? But only singing other people's stuff, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to write my own stuff and sing it. So do you feel feel when you're not singing, you're putting on a slightly heightened version of you or a different version Uh, of you? No, I wouldn't say that, to be honest. My mum always says, like, ugh, you're always yourself, aren't you? (laughs) She listens to podcasts that I'm on and goes, so she'll hear this and go, oh, God, why did you say that? And she'll say, oh, you're you, aren't you? But, but that's yeah, to, this that's is to what be I'm like. I mean, I guess so, I don't know. I, no, I think. I think so. that's been a boon in stand-up, certainly because I'm because I do stand-up, and I think I can never be anything other than myself, even if I'm reading out, even if I'm saying stuff that you know I've said a thousand times because it's a joke I've written. Mm. Like you'll see, you're you're always seeing me on stage. But it's funny, yeah. isn't it, when you look at the world of stand-ups, which well, we'll talk about mm, in a mm-hmm. bit as well. But certain stand-ups, quite a lot of stand-ups, put on a version of themselves. Yeah. And, not, and I'm not talking about the, the stand-up who are character comedians. I'm talking about the ones that... I mean, even if you look at someone like Richard Herring... Yeah. It's av- a, a, sort of that embittered version yes. of Yes, yeah, him. yeah, yeah. You might, mine, I, yeah, I, I see what exactly I mean? what you mean. I think on stage it's going to be more of, like, me going, I'm a hot mess, whereas actually I keep track of my diary and I'm never late. <laughs> <laughs> You're never late, I was going to say. Was you were, like, <laughs> three minutes early yeah, today, yeah, I which hate, I applaud. Do you know what, as well? I waited around the corner for 20 minutes. Because <laughs> 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 it's so annoying when people arrive really early, isn't it? So, you know. Or it's really annoying when people arrive really late. Yeah, that is annoying. I think it's a terrible, I think it's a terrible uh, rudeness. Is there an excuse for it? I don't uh, know. I think if it happens once and they go, the traffic, well, you can go... could have, should have Should have left early, should have left early. But sometimes the, M, the M25 holds you up by an hour and a half. And if you're then only half an hour late, you go, okay, fine. I get it. Well, then don't live in London. Nope, that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that we are there in London no, right now. Yeah, we are in London, but I made it from outside of London. Um, my uh, a friend of mine who's always, always late, I once was going to her house to, to see, just to meet her at her house, and I drove, and it's usually an hour and a quarter, and it took two hours, and I was dead on time, and I rang the doorbell, and I rang the doorbell, I rang the doorbell and then finally she answered it. She was, sorry, 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 I've just got in the shower. And I was so angry. (laughs) And that was eight years ago. (laughs) And I still think about it. I was was so, I was, no, I'm on time despite a car accident. Not mine. I caused, I didn't cause it. (laughs) Um, That's another story. Yeah, I can't can't get into that. (laughs) It's been eight years, but the file's still open. Um, I, I'm on time and you're late to come to the front door to meet you because you couldn't be bothered to get in the shower earlier. And that's eight years, is, I'm still annoyed. 
if there's certain friends of yours and I, and I have certain friends that I know for a fact they're going to be late. Yeah. So if we say we're going to meet at half seven, mm. then I know I'm not even going to turn up till about 8.15. Okay, right. Does it still annoy you, though? Yeah, because I'm used to it now, but okay. I have sort of switched my timing. Yeah. So if we're going to meet at half seven, we'll say that. Yeah. I'm not arriving till such and such a time, and then I only have to wait five or ten minutes. Yeah. So then I arrive, my shoulders... Nice and relaxed. It yeah, doesn't bother me. That's true. That's true. And you haven't had to sit there with your phone no, for 45 I minutes. <laughs> building the thermometer of anger with inside myself. No, no. Do, you have to do the tight smile when they arrive. Hiya. Yep, right. none of that. Totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> so what was yeah. the when you're leaving sixth form? Mm, mm-hmm. Where were you going then? Bournemouth University. Why Bournemouth? Because it was the only place that did a script writing degree. Right. Wasn't allowed to go to drama school, so I went, right. Which we've, yeah, we've sorted we've, we've, we've had this. So I went, what's the best um, writing-based degree that I can do? And it was there at Bournemouth? Yeah. And at the first thing I looked at in the brochure was, do they have a performing arts society? <laughs> and they did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I asked it on my open day as well. I was like, excuse me, do you have a performing arts society? And they were kind of like... Yeah, I think so. And, yeah, my energy was thrown into performing arts. The two, the one musical a year they did, they, it was thrown into that far more than any of the script writing. And did the script did. writing, was that coming easy for you there? Or were you just I mean, constantly I guess learning? I, was, I, I don't know. It wasn't that... Um, I was always just writing stuff that I could be in, even though we weren't filming any of our projects. Um but I, I would write it and just that was where the enjoyment was coming from, writing it, going, and then I'll play this part. And Yeah, so you see these, like, there's always a character who's about 18 in every script. <laughs> That's for me. Not yet. Yeah. Uh, oh, who's she? She seems quirky. She's got all the, she's got all the fun stuff. Um, yeah, there, there was, so I would, I think we would write three or four scripts a year and they all, I was in them somewhere. But I, ne- I don't remember ever doing more than the first draft. Really? And we had meeting. You'd have to write a first draft, show it to your tutor, and then you'd have a big hour-long note session on it with your tutor, and mm. then go away and you know, like sort of trying to mimic the process of uh, TV production. Yeah, because um, that's exactly how it works. You send the script to a TV company, and you always get a meeting where they give you lots of notes, and it always goes in development. <laughs> <laughs> so development, they hell. Would, development hell. I'm I'm currently in it. They they. Um, he would, I would have a meeting with a tutor who'd go, okay, great, here's what we change and maybe this moves to here. And I would just not, I'd tweak two or three things over the course of that half an hour and that would be the final version I handed in. Was that so, because you didn't agree with the notes that were being said? Or not at all. Just I just didn't, didn't care. Right. Did not care. This is good enough, I would, uh, that's what I is thought. Is it because you, you were looking at the bigger picture that this right now wasn't what you wanted to do? I guess so, yeah. Even I mean, if I wasn't... Um, I don't think I thought about it. I was 18, 19. I don't think I was going that deep into it. Yeah. Uh, but I was thinking, I know I was thinking, I don't care enough. My essays as well, I'd write them the night before all night and then hand them in at 9am. Oh. Knackered and then go back to bed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't care. I do. It's terrible to just do the bare minimum on your degree that the taxpayer's paying for. Yeah. But... I made up for it in the amount of effort I put into my performances in Return to the Forbidden Planet <laughs> <laughs> and Greece. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and we didn't have... There wasn't a performing arts 
there wasn't a drama degree at the university. So the, these um, musicals were performed by a load of journalism students just having a laugh and me taking it as seriously as if this was Broadway. <laughs> like, come on, guys. <laughs> Let's put on and and we didn't have a theatre, so they were performed in a lecture theatre. Right, okay. No, like, I'm sure they weren't very good, but I put in the like. I don't think I've ever put in as much effort to anything since oh. I did because these were so important. Effort goes a long way. <laughs> it, it does. Someone on Twitter the other day said, "I saw you in both those productions. <laughs> I saw you in Bournemouth University's productions." And first thing I want to do is send her a singing video. Go, I've really improved. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown since then. Yes, Look at me yeah. now. It's all sometime now. <laughs> so when did the stand-up comedy come in? Because at the moment, yeah. what I'm looking at is mm-hmm. the singing's coming in, the writing's yeah. coming in, the acting, wanna be you, an re- actor. you really want to do, but yeah. we're obviously we're suppressing that yeah. for other reasons. Yeah. And I'm just trying to work out where stand-up came in. Okay, so I left university and tried to get into drama school immediately because... Why change of heart now with drama school? Because uh, I just figured he couldn't stop me. Right. Because I was 21. <laughs> and that relationship had changed with your dad then? No, no, the relationship hadn't changed, but I didn't care as much. But you um, felt stronger. Because guess so. You yeah. Were, you were, I figured I'll just, no, I'll just go. You're 21, just, you're becoming a woman, yeah. you've got your own mind. So you <laughs> yes, can do whatever so. you want. Yeah, and I went, and I went, because my parents were both saying, uh, my mum was saying, it's so much money, where's the money going to come from? And I went, I guess I'll just find it. It wasn't going to come from them, they didn't have it. But I knew I'd looked into all these scholarships you could get and I went, there'll be a way. I'll do a master's in musical theatre, I'll I'll find a way. And I tried for three years to get into drama schools and none of them would take me. Yeah. And it was really crushing. And my dad was, it was the best day of his life (laughs) that I couldn't get into any of these drama schools. So I stopped telling him that I was even auditioning. And you have to pay every time you audition for these as well. Of course you do, I think, I mean, we're going back to about 2000, 2006 to about 2008. Uh, it's 60, 70 quid every time you Must audition. Must be around that, definitely, yeah. Which is outrageous that they make you pay. And then finally, in at the end of 2008, I auditioned for the Royal Academy of Music, which was my number one choice that I'd never tried before. Because yeah. it felt... It's the one that doesn't take 200 people a year. It takes 30 people a year and it's very exclusive. And Did you just feel it was out of your grasp? Yeah, I felt it was out of my league, I think. Yeah. And I finally... Someone came to see me in something uh, at the Canal Cafe Theatre. Right. And, said, and I was talking to her afterwards going, oh, yeah, I really want to try and do drama school and I think, think next year is going to be my last shot here. I was 20. 320 23 at this time and they she went have you tried i went to ram have you tried ram and i went oh no no and she said yeah no go for it and i got in first time like wow it was obviously the right one that yeah and it was the best year of my life so far was it <laughs> yeah why was it so why because it there, just exceed your expectations it really did and and the amount of possibility that every day held when i went to when I went into Ram, it was amazing. And it was when I find, I, like, nothing my dad said about it mattered. Like, he came, he came to one of the concerts and was kind of, like, grizzling about how crap the facilities were and how it's too expensive and how uh, half these people won't work. And I remember just feeling, like, calm as a Hindu cow. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't care. I don't care because what you, you think. It sounds to me like you were there and you were completely supported. Yeah. And- 
it yeah. these walls. Yeah. And you're allowed, because that's the great thing is that I always, yeah. when I'm talking to people who mm. go to drama school or wherever, whatever yeah. support, it's, they're allowed to fail. Yeah. They're allowed to fall on their yeah. ass and do whatever they want and everybody picks themselves back that's up it. and they yeah. can carry on. And there was no element of, we're going to crush you to build you back up again. It yeah. wasn't that kind of place. No. I feel very sorry for people who say, oh God, I hated my drama degree. I hated my drama school. I go, oh God. That must, like, if I'd gone to Ram and hated it, I th- don't know if I'd still be acting now. I don't know if I'd have bothered. You, you just don't know, do you? Because you yeah. just got to come out of that conveyor belt a completely mm, different mm-hmm. type of person. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I came out ready for the industry, which then wasn't kind. Like, it has not been, I'm not one of those people who walked into a West End job because. It just doesn't happen for everybody. Because is that what you wanted to walk out and do? Did you want I wanted to, to be in You musicals. wanted to do musicals? Yeah. But basically, I got into RAM in February. The course started in September. And I went, well, I've got six months. Now's when I do stand-up. Because it doesn't matter if it doesn't work out. Because I've got six months now where I could just do it. And, yeah, now that's been over ten years <laughs> doing stand-up. So what was the inspiration to even start to begin to do stand-up? I, Always wanted to try it, but that was another, it was a little bit like Ram. I went, oh, I'd be amazing. I'd love to try stand-up, but where do you even begin? Yeah. Um, I think I tried to do a stand-up course at one point when I was 17. I, I rang, it was an ad in uh, a local paper for a stand-up course at the local theatre, and I rang and I was booking it all in, and they said, okay, you just need a date of birth. Oh, you have to be 18. And I went, oh, I can't do the stand-up course. And it probably would have been garbage and yeah. it would have just been this 17 year old with absolutely nothing to say <laughs> surrounded by probably a lot of middle-aged men who wanted to talk about their divorce yeah. in a, on a stage but um it's almost a shame I didn't start then because then I'd now I'd have been doing it for nearly 20 years <laughs> but yeah I, I started doing stand-up just after I turned 24. Do you think yeah. it's something that you can teach like to go on to courses like that? it's no. so specific I, it is. I know quite a few stand-ups and I've I've mm. looked at them and I've seen them fail and rise and it's just mm. been like this massive roller coaster yeah. for them and yeah. as much as people would uh, like look at me as an actor and go mm-hmm. I don't know how you do that I don't right. know how you can do it you know sometimes I look at them and I go oh my god oh really do I do sometimes but yeah. then again the sort of uh, artist in me <laughs> Sorry, I've been sick in my mouth. Um, not really. But uh, I do know why they do it. Yeah. So I can appreciate and empathise and I know the buzz and I, I can see the skill and I love yeah. it all. It, yeah. I've just always found it so fascinating, I suppose, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I always say to people, you go, oh, God, I've always wanted to try it, but I, could, I don't know how I could. I go, I always say it's not that hard. Because <laughs> when you start, you're terrible at it. <laughs> like, you'll be bad. At, no one walks into their first gig and they're amazing. I mean, probably there's been, like, two comics ever. <laughs> but the bad were... gig, I'm sure, is in the post. Oh, it, yeah. It must be. Oh, yeah, I still have them now. No one's, no one's infallible. <laughs> tell, tell me about the first time you went up on stage to try it. Um, Do you remember it? Yeah, it was March 29th. Uh, 2009, because I remember it well, because 10 years later was meant to be Brexit Day. Right. So March 29th, 2019 should have been the day we left the EU. And thank God it wasn't, because what a horrible anniversary. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was March 29th, 2009, I went to an open mic 
uh, Where with was that? my uh, Stockwell Cavendish Arms. Right. Yeah. And it looks like a proper comedy club in there as well. It's got the old black and white tiled floor stage with red curtains. And you go up and you do five minutes. And I went and I talked about being Christina Aguilera tribute act. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. how funny that we're, yeah. we've just yeah, started was, with that. This is the weird thing that it took off on Twitter because I went, oh, wow, none of this is a secret. I've talked about it on stage. But they, the, um, I remember getting that first laugh and going, oh. How did, like, that, how did that feel, getting that first like, laugh? Like tiramisu. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> I was, it was amazing. I went, oh, I said a thing that I thought in my head and people laughed and now... I have to keep doing this. And yeah, the first time I died on my arse was probably only my third or fourth gig, actually. Um, but I don't have as big a memories of that as I do of like that first gig, which wasn't like, it definitely wasn't amazing. And I, there's a video of it somewhere online. Yeah. Um, which I revisited, I think, last year. And I went, oh, keep still. Stop giggling. <laughs> <laughs> Do you go yeah. back and did you did you at the time or maybe you still mm. do go back and watch performances now? Yeah, and study, study. Like, I I remember one time going maybe it's maybe there's a formula and I'll write down exactly when the first laugh was and then how big the next laugh was. and then I, like I did that one time and went yeah that's not going to teach me anything right because <laughs> there is no formula to stand up and how do you yeah. write? Uh, nowadays. A lot of it is Twitter. If, if like a germ of an idea, because you only get your, what, 240 characters. Yeah. And if one tweet, people go, ah, funny. I go, oh, and is there eight minutes in that? <laughs> and yeah, I have a document in my, uh, on my laptop, which is just called Stand Up Ideas. And I'll write everything in that. And then when I have to write a new show, of which I'm about to start writing my eighth solo show I'll go in there and pick out what I go oh yeah that's got something that's got something it's so yeah. interesting and this happens so many times mm. when I'm talking to people when we started our conversation yeah. before we started about social media and using yeah. it as a business tool and now we've kind of come full circle it really is a business tool yeah and the one thing that we haven't discussed yet mm-hmm. is certainly last year's show was yeah. the Edinburgh Festival which is this fascination Certainly with video games, but more importantly with quite specifically one yeah. video game. Yeah. <laughs> when, when did the video games come in? Oh, God. My mum had gone away to Denmark to be bought a dressage horse <laughs> for three weeks. I wrote about this on Twitter a couple of days ago, weirdly, uh, and my dad immediately took me and my brother to buy a Sega Master System, and that was... Uh, for him but he said it was for us and ah. and uh they were he had like a war game on it that he was always playing with the gun and well he's got to release his anger somewhere <laughs> surely shoot some shoot some golf war soldiers <laughs> on a, some eight-bit golf war soldiers mind those nurses um you got, you weren't allowed to shoot the nurses uh but we eventually got on that sonic and sonic really captured my imagination i was, I was seven i remember just being like oh he's Oh, Sonic's brilliant. Like, the colours are amazing. I love the design of the sprite. Um, the music. Yeah, the Sonic yeah. music's great. And I, 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 I will, I get a buzz still from playing those games and just talking about them. Because <laughs> I think that it, it really uh, represents something that I really loved as a little kid. Like these, the Sonic games. Yeah. Uh, what's your work ethic like? 
work with, ethic. With regards to, to writing. Do you mm. hold yourself away and go, right, today I'm writing this or I'm beginning this show or I'm just going to start the new Edinburgh show? Uh, God, it's terrible, but I don't think it's changed since uni. Like, I don't ever want to feel really stressed out with it, so I just am sort of doing it in the background. And I can write in a horrible, like, pretzel position with the telly on. And I'll be watching something and writing a bit. Like, I don't need an office or a desk space. We don't have room for one in my house, so right. it wouldn't happen. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I... It, and it... If I have a preview booked, I have the best intentions to spend two weeks writing this first draft of an hour. Um, and then to do it the night before. Yep. Yep, there yep. we go. And on, <laughs> and then on the day, I'll go, OK, the preview's in Birmingham, so I know I have to leave at two. So I've got from nine till two, I can just be writing it and making uh, every, because I always have a uh, PowerPoint presentation that runs through the show. So I was like, so like an hour to write, hour to spend on writing it, then start the PowerPoint presentation, then then two more hours writing it and then finish it. And then I can be in the car at two and it's fine. And I, I can be, I can think about it on the way there. And then when I get there, I'll probably have half an hour. I can sort of look over it. And it's all right. You can read it. You can read it. Telling myself that all oh, that's fine. Because it's a preview. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the first preview. Yeah. So, again, it's that thing where my shows, they do change from the first ever preview, obviously. Yeah. I, I tend to only do between eight and ten previews before Edinburgh. And they do, the shows do change. But there's not a massive remodelling that goes on between that first draft and what I end up doing in Edinburgh. Yeah. Because do, I think I'm inherently lazy. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you generally think that? I do, and people find that really weird that I say that. But I do. I don't want to. I don't want to work too hard. So well, I find I, ways of round it. <laughs> well, I think honesty goes a long way. So to be honest, <laughs> when having started with your five slot, five minute slots, they mm. would obviously go up to ten, fifteen, yeah. twenty, and then you'd go for half. When was the stage? Or was it someone that said to you, right, I think you should try Edinburgh now? Or was this you? Uh, because for someone who is, and will hold the hands up and say yeah, they're inherently lazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. to jump and go and do Edinburgh, yeah. which is obviously an hour slot yeah. for a month. Yeah. It's, and I've been told it's unforgiving and it's yeah. relentless. Especially when it's me, because I take on other shows and go, yeah, it's fine, I'll just do a musical in the evening well, as well. I know, because I see you, you, do, you jump into all sorts of yeah. other things and I don't know how you do it. Or yeah. what, so what was the starting point for that to go start So when I say that I'm lazy, it's when, it, when it's something you enjoy, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. So I think I enjoy creating my shows, my hour shows so much, it doesn't feel like work. So there probably is hard work going on that I just don't know about, if that makes sense. Well, it bloody sounds like it, yeah. But, I mean, for someone who does say that, you sound more like a workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, maybe I, I hate I hate sitting still if I'm not, if there's not something coming up. Like, I, I don't see the point in going on holiday unless there's a lot going on on the holiday, so that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I, I wanted to do Edinburgh, but, again, it felt like something... I don't know how you even begin to do it. So I'll just keep doing stand-up, keep doing 10s, 15s. I'm getting paid now, that's good. Oh, people are going off to Edinburgh. Okay, it doesn't seem insurmountable. And then in 2013, I had the soul-crushing breakup that I just went, I don't have, I don't have anything except the stand-up. Right. So I'll just write, I'll just write an hour. I'll write the hour. 
And the following year I went to Edinburgh and did my debut show. Just so sad. And was that based <laughs> was that based on the heartbreak? No, no. It was based on my parents' divorce. I read out my dad the night before my mum left him, sent her a seven and a half thousand word email written on his iPhone about what a nightmare I am. <laughs> so I read it out in the show. Wow. Like three and a half years later. Um and that was my first stand-up show. And sang the songs of Wicked. I mean, people go through all forms of therapy in the life, yeah. Suze. I mean, that is to do that in front of an audience. Yeah. I didn't think that was... I, I went into Edinburgh with a, with a sort of fearlessness because I, the worst thing had happened in that, like, the love of my life, he'd left me. So I, I don't care how this stand-up show goes. I don't care how this year, this month in Edinburgh goes. It doesn't really matter. And it's your first one. You're allowed to do whatever you like. So in a way, you were going to it completely free. Yeah. Going, it doesn't matter if I fail because I've got... Well, in yeah. a way, I've kind of got nothing to That's lose. That's it. I, th- I went... I, I was literally going, no one's going to come and see it. Um, I'll do but, a show that'll make my mum laugh because she thinks me talking about my dad is the funniest thing. <laughs> She's. <laughs> did she know what the show was going to yeah. be about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She saw the what first. What did she say? When, when... Oh man, she was like, "Oh God, I've got to bring everyone I know to see this." Did she? Yeah, yeah. All her friends used to used to come along to see that show. Oh my! They God. come less now. They like video games. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, read, reading out that email from my dad. I don't think I'll ever have a bigger gift in comedy. Even though I look back on the show now and if, if I was writing that show now, there's so much I'd change because structurally it was like a mess and there was also no reason for me to be singing the songs from Wicked in it. I'd really shoehorned them in. <laughs> because <laughs> Go, you really and also, wanted to. I want to be in Wicked. I'm defying gravity. <laughs> Guys, it's like my dad said that it's, like, it's nothing to do with that. Um, it, there was sort of a loose connection with my dad said I couldn't be an actor and I want to be in Wicked. I, good for you, princess. <laughs> But I, yeah, read out this email from my dad and people were coming every day to see the show about Wicked. It was full every day. Uh, so from thinking that nobody would come... It was packed full of people who loved Wicked because the right. show was called Defying Gravity. And luckily, I learned doing that show, so many people either know someone who has uh, uh, what's called a necessary estrangement from a parent or they have one. Or, oh, my grandfather was just like that and that's what my mum went through. And, yeah, it was amazing the amount of people who, it turned out, had been through the same. It sounds like you were not only helping yourself but helping quite a lot of other people (laughs) because that wasn't even... That was not the the aim. That was not the aim, aim. was it, at all? I just want to help people. No, I never want to help people. I want to show off. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Suze, thank you so much for coming on. That was brilliant. Enjoy that. Yeah, I did. (laughs) And another episode is done. As you can hear, my voice is almost done. Look, if you don't follow Suze on Twitter, then make sure you do. She's at Suze UK and she will brighten up any of your days. I promise you, promise. Um, So look, I'm going to go because I'm kind of buggered and I've got work tomorrow and I've got to talk and uh, do some acting and I can't do it if I don't have a voice. So look, thank you so much for downloading and subscribing. 
Um, keep telling people about the podcast and we'll see you next week. Nice and healthy, but thank you so much for downloading and subscribing. Deep breath. Until next week. Oh, I've been half of Craig Parkinson and he has been the brilliant producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care, stay safe, stay sound, and look after your voice. I'll see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.